Good evening, and welcome to the Enoch Pratt Free Library. My name is Vivian Fisher, and I manage the African American Department here at the Central Library. And on behalf of our CEO, Dr. Carla Hayden, and the boards of trustees and directors, I welcome each and every one of you here. Before we hear our wonderful speaker this evening, I do have a few announcements of pro upcoming programs that I think you may be interested in. We're having our City Lit Festival, which will be Saturday, April the 14th, um, here at Central from 10 to 5 p.m. And this has been an ongoing festival, so all you literary folks, please do come out for that. Also on Wednesday, April 18th at 7 p.m., we're having Tavis Smiley here at the main library. And on Wednesday, April 25th at 6.30 p.m., we're having Sonia Sanchez and Tony Medina. So please come out and participate in these events. So again, thank you. And we will have Justin. Okay, Mr. Jackson will introduce our speaker. Thank you. Good evening, my name is Norvell Jackson. I'm with WEAA 88.9 FM. As you know, we are Baltimore's jazz and talk station. If you haven't tuned us in, then uh, definitely tune us in at, at Monday through Friday uh, weekends. We have some fantastic programming. Of course, we have Listen Up, which is uh, Justin Jones' folks whose show. It's on every Friday from 7 to 8 p.m. And we're so delighted to have uh, Justin Jones' folks as a member of the WEA family. And um, anyway, I'm going to quickly, uh, I like to get to the kind of goodies, and I do have a couple quick announcements. Um, if you've never been over to the WEAA studios, please come on over. We have a, uh, we'll give you a, a tour of the studio anytime during business hours between 10 and 5. But while you're there, you're going to, for those who are art lovers, and not even for those who are non-art lovers, we started our own art exhibit right at WEAA, which is on the campus of uh, Morgan State University. Right now, we currently have an exhibit called the Zim Zimbabwe uh, Zimbabwe Gallery, Shona Stone Gallery exhibit that's going to run until the end of uh, this month. The next one is going to be uh, by an artist named uh, Sam Wallace, Jamaican folk art, pottery, and modern technique. He is with Clayworks. And uh, it, we're going to have an opening reception. It's going to be Saturday, April 28th. All this information is going to be right outside the door. And of course, we're also going to have uh, a taste of WEAA May 19th at the Frederick Douglass Isaac Meyer Maritime Park Museum, which is a very long uh, name and uh, the very fairly new museum, but it's fantastic. Jazz, blues, Caribbean, Latin, and we're going to have also a Caribbean challenge um, as well. And lastly, if you haven't, um, if you want to come over and volunteer for WEA during our spring membership drive, feel free to uh, step uh, when you leave here to stop by and I will sign you up. Um, we need people to answer those phones for all those wonderful people who are going to be making pledges April 14th through the 22nd. Um, and for those who hopefully everyone has a little ticket, so we're going to give away two uh, prize packs. I'm going to give away the first prize pack. It has our um, African diaspora t-shirt along with a Soka CD, the best music, uh, along with uh, tickets to see Porky and Bess. And then the other one is a jazz uh, t-shirt as well as uh, one of my favorite jazz artists, Warren Wolf as well as Porky and Bess uh, tickets, and it's probably something else in there as well. So we're going to, maybe we can have this young lady right here 
pull one of the uh, tickets winners and just get your little ticket out there and this will be for the how about the jazz pack first last digits are five zero seven going once five zero seven going twice all right we're going to keep it going let me quickly uh hold up too much of his time 485 going once <laughs> did we did we get the right the right side of the ticket here <laughs> How about this? 457. Okay. There's one, and then this. Four twenty-eight. Okay. That's enough for me. And next, we'll have Jordan Rice to introduce our speaker. Good evening. My name is Jordan Rice. I have the honor of presenting to you guys tonight. Very dear friend and brother to me, Justin Jones-Fosu. I've known Justin over a decade, which makes me feel kind of old. In that last decade, I've seen Justin amass a long laundry list of accomplishments. Graduated with honors, got his MBA named in all these national magazines as top entrepreneurs and all this different stuff. But the one thing, the greatest thing I can say about Justin is that Justin is Justin. Anybody who knows Justin can understand what that means. As a presenter, Justin is Justin. He's his own person. He has a very distinct style, which you guys are in for a, a pretty, uh, pretty big treat. He's energetic. He's himself. But more importantly than how he presents is how Justin lives his life. Uh, for the last number of years, Justin has been on a journey to live his own life authentically. And from that impetus is how this book was made. So without further ado, I present to you Justin Jones-Fosu, author and our keynote speaker. What I first want you to do is I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you look good today, but not as good as me. Thank you. The sad part is that some of y'all really meant that. You looked over like, you definitely don't look better than me. Uh, so <laughs> let's, let's get started because I love the, uh, I love the, the, the feeling of the Rocky. So what I want you to do real quick is I want to ask you a quick question. How many people have ever been to a boring presentation? Okay. What made the presentation boring? The speaker. What about the speaker? Monotone. What else? Just boring. Lack of information. What else? Too much information. <laughs> I like that. Anybody almost seen... Let's see. I want you to be honest real quick. Anybody almost fallen asleep on a speaker before? Don't you love that, that, that sleep nod when you're in a presentation? Like slow motion. And then the person tries to act like they did, you know, stretching their neck out, like, what's going on? What's going on? Well, I guarantee you all today that the things you mentioned will not be named among this presentation. So there are usually two types of speakers. 
There's one type of speaker like, and everybody's like, yeah, oh my gosh, I'm having so much fun. And we realize we go back home, we go back to our workplaces, and we go back to our dorm rooms, and we realize we learned absolutely nothing except how to dougie. So if you go to a speaker and learn how to dougie, there's a problem. But then there's also another type of speaker that has some amazing content. I mean, the stuff that can really change the course of our lives. But they read every single word off the PowerPoint. Like T stands for try to be a great leader. Y stands for you're a great leader. And after five or ten minutes, we've already checked out. But what I'm going to give you is a balance of both. See? Because I'm going to give you some amazing energy. Nice haircut, by the way. No problem. (laughs) But I'm also going to give you some practical content you can use. So I want you to practice with me because I know we're used to this kind of intellectual kind of speakers. So I want you to practice your laugh. Say, (laughs) ha, 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 ha. that wasn't fake enough for me. You got to be a little bit more fake. Say, ha, 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 Excellent. So I want you to laugh. I want you to just get loose. We're going to learn something, but we're going to have amazing fun while doing it. So let me kind of go into a little bit of my history. Um, a lot of the things have been stated. Uh, I've been featured in Yes Ebony Magazine, Smart CEO, all that kind of stuff. Um, but for me, that's not what matters. For me, this is what matters. The beautiful wife is holding my hand. And this is what matters. Nosy's with daddy. That's the stuff that matters to me. And we're going to talk a little bit about how that can matter. And those things can matter to you. But before I deal with that, I have to deal with a pet peeve. Can I see everybody's cell phones? I am so sorry I have to deal with this. Everywhere I go across this country, it's the same old thing. Can you see your cell phones in the air? Cell phones in the air? Okay. Excellent. Awesome, thank you. You all know the drill. Everybody, please turn your cell phones on. While I'm speaking, I want you to tweet, I want you to text, and if you're dangerous, go into Facebook. But I want you to use it. If you you have your phone, use it. Just tweet at Justin Inspires. Use it. Facebook.com, Justin Inspires. Only thing I ask that you don't do is don't pick up the phone during a presentation. Be like, there's a crazy bald dude that's speaking right now. It's the only thing I ask that you don't do. And we'll be all right. So go ahead and use the social media and the things that you like to use for those who choose to use it. So kind of let's, let's jump into this. Now, in the forest, there's this eagle named Aaron. And Aaron the eagle, I mean, she's enjoying herself, flying around, enjoying the great beauty of nature. And then one day she goes to sleep and she puts her head and rested in the bosom of her wing. And as she's sleeping, Aaron hears in a dream that could be construed as a nightmare. She hears, if you want success, then you must find your glasses. And she keeps hearing it louder and louder. And it says, if you want success, then you must find your glasses. And it kept getting louder and louder, almost like thunder. And then one moment like that, the last loud voice she woke up and realized she could no longer see her eyes had blurred 
And she began to get frantic and wondering, what am I going to do? How am I going to eat? What, what, what should happen? And she went and she flew to the, 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 the creature that she could kind of make out the most. And she flew to rob the rabbit. And she said, Rob, do you know where my glasses are? And Rob the rabbit said, uh, no. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> But Rob the rabbit said, but if you put on my glasses, you'll get there faster than you ever could have dreamed. So she put on Rob the rabbit's glasses and she noticed she could get there faster. She could fly faster, but she still couldn't see. And then she went to one other person. She said, Sylvester the snake. Now, I've been told to stay away from you because you're mischievous. But can you tell me where my glasses are? And Sylvester the snake said, no. <laughs> that was good. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> but he said, if you put on my pair of glasses, you'll be able to persuade all the animals in the forest to do whatever you want them to do. She said, okay. She put on Sylvester the snake's glasses. She still couldn't see, but she noticed that everybody was listening to her and she was persuading them to do, to some degree, what she wanted them to do. And then, in one last effort, she went to Olivia the owl with all her wisdom. And she said, Olivia, with all your great wisdom, can you tell me where my glasses are? And Olivia said, Ooh, no. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> but she said, if you put on my glasses, you'll find yours when the sun first meets the horizon. And she had no idea what that meant. <laughs> but she said, forget it, you know. So she flew. She flew to this lake and she got to the lake and she's frustrated and she still can't eat. And she's still like, oh, what, what am I going to do? And in her desperation, she sees this strange creature swimming around in the lake. She says, yells to the strange creature, excuse me, excuse me, can you tell me where my glasses are? And the strange creature looked up to her and said, so, what does success look like? What does, I mean, I really want, this is a question for you, what does success, when you hear the word success, what do you initially think of? Peace. What else? Money. Money. What else? Power. What else? Achieving. What else? Status. Family. We have different things. And this I'm going to share with you. This is how society normally defines success. They say that if you have this, then you're successful. They say this. Say if you have money, you're obviously successful. They say if you have power, you're successful. They say if you have possessions, and this is my wife and I's house. I'm joking, by the way. <laughs> Some of you are like, y'all better be quiet. <laughs> but they say that you're successful. And if you have fame, then you're successful. And that's what society has said. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to challenge that perception of success. We're going to talk a little bit about authentic success and what it looks like. So 
I'm a very interactive guy. And some people call me hyper. But what I want you to do, I'm going to actually have you get involved in this presentation. And so what I want you to do is I want you to get up and I want you to walk around this section of chairs and get back to your, your chair as fast as you can. On your mark, again, this whole section. On your mark, get set, go. Doom, doom, doom. Everybody, doom, doom, doom. Everybody get up and go, go, go. 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 Everybody get up and boom, boom, boom. 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 Everybody get up and go, go, go. 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 Everybody get up and boom, boom, boom. 30 seconds to get back to your seat, please. 30 <laughs> seconds to get back to your seat, please. <laughs> nice tie, man. That's nice tie. <laughs> 30 dun, 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 dun seconds. Get back to your seat, please. To your seat, please. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, Five, four, three, two, one, and a half. All right. <laughs> awesome. What in the world just happened? Confusion. Some, somebody said, what did you say? You follow directions. Chaos. Some pe- what did you say? Rushing. Some people said, I got more exercise today than the whole week. <laughs> But what, if you didn't see, there's usually three types of people in this, and I'm going to go through it. There's one type of person that's in their seat, and I'm saying, okay, I want to get everybody to get up. Man, this guy's making me do something. <laughs> All right, I want you to walk around a group of chairs. <laughs> that's for the first group. I saw you. <laughs> there's a second group of, of, of people. So I want you to get up. Whoa, we get to do something. Yes. Awesome. All right. I want you to walk around a group of chairs. Way too many people coming this way. All right. <laughs> and then there's one last group. They're like, all right, I want you to get up. All right. I want you to walk around a group of chairs. So, I saw all three of the groups. I just want you to know you're all evident here. But the amazing thing is that depending on which side you all went out, almost all of you went the exact same way. The people on this side started going this way. The people on this side started going this way. Even if you came out the aisle and acted like you were getting ready to come this way and you said, woo, about face. Almost every single one of you, even if you had an inkling to go the opposite way, you just followed suit. And that's a research theory called the herd theory. The herd theory states that when danger or something is coming, that a group, the herd, will all go in the same direction, even if it's off a cliff. And the question that I ask you is what herd are you following? What herd 
are you following? Where, where's your herd leading you, even if you wanted to go against the grain, against people? It's almost like, have you ever seen a group of people running and not known why they were running? You seen that? It's almost like, why y'all running? Why y'all, why y'all running? Why y'all running? Why y'all running? And it could have been the track team. Just do-do-do-do. We're running for practice. But we do that. We have no idea. And that's the question we have to ask is where in this society is the herd leading us? Where are they leading us? Are they leading us to what society says is success? Or somewhere else? So let's talk about it. This is what normally happens. We are born and we are individuals. We have our own unique way we look at life. Some of us have our own unique way we wear our baldness. Some of us have our own unique way we wear the bought hair we have. Some of us have our own unique way that we move our hair and way we walk, style of dress. And somewhere around 18, sometimes a little earlier, 19, whether in college or not, something happens. We meet other people. We get into groups and organizations. And this is what happens. We end up becoming copies of each other. We end up looking just like other people. Have you seen someone that just started to transform and they just started doing everything someone else did? That's the interesting piece of being a copy. And I was at a presentation one day and I had a guy come up to me after the end of the presentation. And he said, Justin! Oh my gosh, man, your presentation changed my life. I want to be just like you. And I sat there and thought for a second. I was like, man, I don't think you can be that sexy. I'm joking. I'm just joking. I didn't say that for real. But I sat there and I said to him, and actually I didn't say anything to him. I said, thank you. appreciate it. But on the plane ride home, I began to think about that question. And I walked away thinking, and I came up with this this saying in my life. And this saying says simply this, don't be just like anyone. Be better than everyone by being the only you. Don't be just like anyone on earth, but be better than everyone by being the only you. And what does that mean? I'm not saying don't take positive qualities of people things that they possess, but when we're trying to be just like somebody else, then you're spending all your time exerting to be a copy. And you're never allowing the original to shine. But you have a unique gift to think that you were brought to this earth to do. And so why are we spending so much time trying to be copies? I went to one campus and there was this one young lady, she was trying her best to look like Lady Gaga. And that's hard. I'm just like, why are you trying so hard? <laughs> but I realized is that people are trying to be copies. And I was one of those people. But one of the things that I'm going to share, I love this quote by Albert Einstein. And, and, and you'll see what he says. Because I realized that for me, the beginning began in a simple way. Around 2002, 2003, I had an opportunity to intern for an international beverage company down in Atlanta. 
And I was excited. I mean, they paid for us to live in Buckhead, Atlanta, gave us $5,000 for the summer, each summer and a $10,000 scholarship. Y'all know I love that internship. They brought 50 of us from around the country. And I had an opportunity to interview three top-level executives. And I asked, I said, I didn't want to be just like a normal intern and say, how can I be just like you? How can I have success that you have, Ed? I didn't want to be just like that. So I asked each of them one question. And I asked, I said, if you had to do it all over again, just the same, would you? And two out of the three said no. One said he would have spent more time with his family. And one said he would have pursued his hobby. And the other said he would have done it the exact same way. But I was surprised at the two out of the three. I'm like, these were guys who were making over $300,000 a year, had access to the company yacht, could go to the Atlanta Braves home game, sit behind home plate and sing, and for the land of the free and the home of the brave. And they go back in air conditioning and eat the cheese and food that was prepared. I wanted to be just like them. And for two out of the three of them to say they would have done it differently, it had an impression on me. And so I had to ask myself, I said, I don't want to wake up years from now and realize I'm not living a life of passion. That I'm just living the life trying to be what everybody expects me to be. And so this is where I challenge you. And I love Albert Einstein. He, He says to us, he says, don't become a man of success, but rather become a man of great value, of value. And we, we would, most of us would say that Albert Einstein is successful, right? Yeah. And he's telling us, look, don't become a man of success, but rather become a man of value. So let's talk about how do we actually get there, because I'm very practical. So it's this thing I call core values. Core values. The things that we say mean the most to us are core values. So I want you to look up here, and I want you to pick your top three core values. Just look and assess. Pick your top three core values, the things that mean the most to you. Just think for a while and look. Take about 30 more seconds. And after you have your top three, I want you to pick your number one. What would be the number one thing, your number one core value? That's my core value, too. Awesome. So what I want you to do is I want you to raise your hand when I say one of your top three core values. How many people have faith as a top three core value? Okay, put your hands down. Family. Put your hands down. Career. Okay, put your hands down. Finances or money. All right. See me afterwards so I can get some money. I'm joking. (laughs) Possessions, houses, cars. Okay, appreciate that. Some, I did say three. Some of y'all raised your hands for every single one. <laughs> like, hello? <laughs> Entertainment. Okay, that's good. Relaxation. Okay. 
Friends. Okay. Education. You can tell who's in school. All right. <laughs> Exercise. Okay, put your hands down. Now, if you haven't gone to the gym in like six months or worked out in six months, we're going to talk. All right. <laughs> Volunteering. Okay. And others. Okay. So this was somewhat the easy part. You know, we, what, is, what is the thing that means the most to us? This is the easy part. Now, let me share with you something that is very unique, and it's the type of core values that exist. Now, there are three types of core values, and you just did one, and, and one is called expressing. Well, you expressed, this is my core value. I said family means a lot to me, or exercising means a lot to me. It's a, one of my top three is what I call primary core values. That's the easy part, expressing. But... The one that we sit and think about when we're at home and nobody's looking at us, nobody's watching us, there's no pressure, and we're just thinking like, wow, this is what really means a lot to me. That's our espoused core values. That's what we really want, what we really desire when we really sit down and think about and then there's one last one is enacted. Those are the ones that we actually live by. The ones that we put into action. Now, you may ask, Justin, well, how can I have three different core values? I mean, it's expressed, espoused, enacted. Maybe it just sounds like a lot of ease to me. But a person could express to their boss that career is a core value. And they can't wait till five o'clock hits. A person could be at the gym and somebody could come up next to them and be like, so what's your core values? Like that would happen. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, working out, exercise, January 2nd, January 3rd. Man, that's a good TV show. <laughs> so something could be expressed that's different than what's espoused, what's really in you, and it's definitely something that's enacted. Now, I've met people all across this country that may say, and this is the interesting piece, is that they'll say family is one of their top core values. But if we went and asked their family if they thought it was one of their top core values by their actions, a lot of people don't want to even ask that question because they're missing an action. And the funny part is that they've grown to love it, to being a part of the herd. So how do we challenge this? And this is where it came in for me. I did over 30 interviews with people from a janitor to a former Fortune 500 senior level executive. And I wanted to ask, what did it take to get to authentic success? And so I'm going to share with you the process. But before I do that, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about change. Now, there was this captain, like the 1400s. And this captain, he was on this ship. And these pirate ships are getting ready to attack. And there's three pirate ships that are getting ready to overtake the ship. And he yelled to his first mate, he said, first mate, go grab me my sword and my red shirt. His first mate was like, okay. 
So he grabbed his sword and his red shirt. So he's fighting off the pirates and he's having a valiant time fighting the pirates and the pirates get ready to leave and they retreat. And his whole crew was like, yes. And at supper, his first mate, he reached out to him and said, Captain, I understand why you asked for the sword. But I don't understand the red shirt. And his captain said, I asked for this red shirt because if I get stabbed and I'm bleeding, you will never know. You'll keep fighting. And you'll never lose momentum. And his crew was like, wow, Captain, you're smart. The very next day, there were 10 pirate ships getting ready to attack the ship and come on board. And the captain, he yelled to his first mate. He said, first mate, go grab me my sword and my brown pants. The moral of the story <laughs> is get tied. I'm just <laughs> no, the moral of the story is sometimes we have to change when the situation changes. Sometimes we have to change. We have to ask for different things. And so I'm going to help you <laughs> to find your brown pants. <laughs> Finding your brown pants is the next book. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Well, how do we get there? And I wanted to give you a very practical process. Now, um, due to time, I'm not going to go over the, uh, every minute detail. But I want to give you an understanding of what it really looks like to actually get to where you have alignment. And so if you're asking, what is authentic success? Authentic success are when your actions align with what you say is most important to you. That's authentic success. When actions align. So let's talk about it. This is the model that we created called the Clarifying Cycle of Success model. And it's made up of six basic lenses of success. And we're going to go through each one. I'm going to give you an example of one. But a lot of them are outlined in the book. So the first is reflective thinking. And it asks the questions, where and who have I been? And you know why we don't like to ask this question? It's because a lot of us, we're really busy. We're running around like, oh my gosh, all right, I got a Facebook. Wait a minute, somebody just tweeted. Wait, no, 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 tweet, 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 tweet. Oh my gosh, wait a minute, I have to go pick up the kids. Wait a minute, I have to go do this. Wait a minute, oh my gosh, I have to go to class. Wait a minute, I have to go to daycare. Wait a minute, oh, I got to go to sleep four hours later. Okay, wait a minute. And we're so busy, we're moving so fast. We're moving at the speed of light that we don't sometimes take time to press pause and ask, do I like who I've become? I mean, have you ever met somebody that you knew they hated their job just by your interaction with them? You walked up to the counter like, okay, who's next? All right, get out of my way, all right. And this is where reflective thinking comes into play because we need to ask these questions. But sometimes we move so fast that we're just, we're not even taking time to take inventory. Now, I heard a quote a while ago that really just, I mean, it really was a bombshell for my mind. And it said that we value the things that we measure. 
I thought about that, like, wow. Companies, they measure their profits. Organizations, they measure their community impact. But what are we measuring? Or are we measuring anything in our lives? So I'm going to give you a quick tool to use with this. It's called the four-stage analysis model. This is some of the tools that I use in organizations. I was just with the Baltimore County um, Health Department, their adult services, this morning from 9 to 2. And we were going over this specifically for communication. But you can use this the same way. And it asks four questions. It says, where am I now? Where do I want to be? What are the barriers preventing me from getting there? And then how do I remove the barriers? It's a very simple tool that doesn't cost you $9.99 and three installments. But you can use this, and I do my best. I do my best, especially on one like a business trip or something, just to get away and to turn off Facebook. <gasps> turn off Twitter. <gasps> turn off the cell phone. And just reflect to ask, do I like who I've become? You know, my wife and I even use the same tool on our annual honeymoon. We, we use it to measure our marriage. So that's reflective thinking. After reflective thinking comes empowering vision. And it asks the question, where am I going? Now let me say, state that you can use this for your whole life or you can take one area of your life and do the same thing for the clarifying cycle of success. So you can say, all right, where am I going? If exercise is a top or primary core value, well, what does it look like? Well, it looks like I'm going to start working out. <laughs> That's very easy to say. <laughs> but unless we really have a, an identified vision statement, a vision of what that looks like, then we'll fail, usually. Unless we state, really, what, what do we want to accomplish? And I love, in the book, I talk about the real goals. And one thing about real goals is that it has to be attractive to you. You have to state how it would make you feel if you actually accomplished it. And a lot of times, we just create a goal, and we don't state the attraction. But creating a vision statement is very important to understand because guess what? When you have a written down vision statement of where you're trying to go, when people try to lead you where they want you to go, you have a clear map. No, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Nope, sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> this is where I'm going. And it's not, it's not personal, but at times, if this is where you're going, sometimes you have to say, I'm sorry, we just may not go together. If you're a person that I'm trying to exercise now, and you want to go and eat at McDonald's every single day for lunch and dinner? You're trying to do the, the, the documentary all over again? <laughs> that may not work, but creating a vision statement. The third lens is targeted planning. And ask the question, how will I get there? How will I get there? Because it's not enough just to have a vision. And some people like to have a vision and they say, all right, this is what I want to do. Go! Woo! And they go and they realize their vision has moved over there. 
And they spend all their time, their energy trying to follow their vision. But if they would have took some time to plan about how they're going to get there, it could help. Now, I'm not saying your planning will always get you there, but it does help. Targeted planning, making sure you're going in the right direction. And one very practical way to do that is this thing called opportunity cost. Now, how many people have ever heard of the term opportunity cost? Okay, awesome. Now, I'm going to give you my own definition. This is a business term usually. But I'm going to give you my own definition. And it's, it's just simple. It says, in order to do something new in your life, something old must leave. In order to do something new, something old has to go. If you say, you know what, I want to start spending more time with, your fam- with my family, then you're going to spend less time somewhere else. I don't know where that is for you. That could be sleep. That could be Facebook. That could be time at your job. That could be time doing things with your friends. It could be something. But there's some area in your life that's going to have to decrease. And unless we identify the areas that must decrease, we'll, when pressure starts to hit, we'll go right back to our normal habits, the normal patterns. And that's targeted planning. When we can sit down and identify, all right, this is something new I want to do. What do I now need to do differently? Targeted planning. Lens number four, inspiring action. What will I do? What is my action going to be? Now, I'm curious to know, (laughs) has anybody ever had a vision, planned, and then never did anything? Okay. For the rest, we'll be doing a session on lying next week. I'm joking. (laughs) But this is what we must do is action. It's... It's not, we can't just go over here and say, this is what I'm going to do. And then we never act on anything. And so the question is, why don't we act? I mean, we have to identify the areas in our lives of the reasons we don't act. You know, I love, I was reading a book because one of the areas that I'm working on is procrastination. Mm-hmm. It got you too, I see. Mm. And I was reading this book called The Now Habit. And in it, he talked about procrastination in a way that really blew my mind. He said, procrastination is not the problem, it's a symptom. And I was like, wait a minute, what? He's like, that's not the problem, it's a symptom. Because there's things that you don't procrastinate on. If you think about it in your life, aren't there things you don't procrastinate on? Some of y'all was like, going to get my check. <laughs> a friend said they have money for you. Like, All right, I'm on my way. <laughs> There's certain things you don't procrastinate on, but there's certain things you do. And so there's reasons behind that. It's a symptom. It could be fear. It could be something else. But he said something that that blew my mind. I'm going to share it with you. He says some people procrastinate because they never want to be judged on their best. They never want to be judged on their best. Because if I give it my all, that means that I can now be judged on giving my everything. And that can be scary for some of us. When I listened to it, I was like, wow, man, that's good. I really sat there and thought, like, man, what am I doing in my life that I'm going to be judged on my best? And I remember back in college, I did my undergrad at Morgan State University. And I remember uh, in history class, we had a a 10-page paper that the professor gave at the beginning of the semester. And he said, he told us in the beginning, he said, don't wait. 
Don't wait to do this. The day before, I'm at my friend friend's house, and I am <laughs> up all night from like 8 p.m. I hadn't done anything. I hadn't even gotten the research yet. <laughs> Didn't even. You know, you have to. You had to use like a certain amount of books. I hadn't gotten anything. <laughs> but I was from 8 until 8. I was up working on the research paper. Went to class. Smelly. I hadn't showered. Turned in the paper. And then next week, the professor comes back. He says, excuse me, class. Class. Um, I'd like to uh, talk about someone. Um, everybody look at Justin Jones' full suit. I'm like, dang, man, I must have failed. And he said, Justin Jones Fosu got the highest grade on the paper. All of you should be just like him. (laughs) Because obviously, he studied and prepared from the beginning of the semester. And I was sitting there with my head held down like, (laughs) if only you knew. (laughs) But the unfortunate thing about that is I got away with it. By that time. And sometimes when we get up enough of that ammunition, we continue to do it with things until we actually fail, which is what happened in some of my classes. Because <laughs> I thought I could do the same thing, and it didn't work. But I want us to act. I want us to be more proactive in our lives versus reactive. You know, I, I go out and hear so many people that I talk, start talking about, well, why can't you do this? And it's always, well, I don't know. I just My opportunity has never come. I've never had the time to spend more time with my family. I've never been able to really do this for my vision. I just don't have time. And that's because we're reactive. We're waiting for things to happen versus being proactive in our lives. Lens number five is nagging persistence. Now, I love this lens because a lot of people use the word nagging as a negative. They hear nagging spouses. They hear nagging parents. They hear nagging whatever. But I like nagging because it, it represents something that's persistent. You're going to keep doing it. I remember I was, this is my mom back there. I remember I was little, right, very young. And I used to pull on my mom's leg. And I used to be, mommy, 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 mommy. I was going to wait till she answered me. Mommy, mommy. And she's like, what, Justin? I was like, Nothing. <laughs> But I just, I was persistent with it. You know, I just persisted. But how many of us are like that to our core values? The things that we say mean the most to us, when we get to roadblocks, some of us, we just pull over to the side of the road. Oh, we got a flat. I guess I have to stay in this town. And we don't persist. One great way for nagging persistence is to have, nagging persistence is to have mentors, people that actually can help guide us along the way. And last but not least is appreciative celebration. What will I celebrate? What will I celebrate? Because even if we never reach our vision, there's still something to take away from the, the journey. You know, I always thought that I was going to be a chief marketing officer, and then I went to work for a retail company, and I thought I was going to be go to training and development department, but there's something I learned. I was like, I don't really like that side, but I do like training. 
So I ended up starting my own company, you know, working for a financial services firm in the training department. And I learned and I grew. And now I'm able to do my own company full time. But along the journey, I went through the cycle and I realized what mattered to me. Because working at the retail company when I was working 60 to 80 hours a week, that was tough. And during that process, my marriage almost ended. The thing that I was saying was a top core value. I had to regroup and figure out what was most important to me. So it led to this thing called best first excellence. And this, oh my gosh, if I really hope we get this. Uh, where's Ray? Ray, where are you? Ray, right there, okay. Ray represents family life. And um, one of the things during family life, we went to, my wife and I went to a weekend to remember. And during the weekend to remember, for those who know, one of my, one of my plans is to, uh, to get my PhD. And I went to the weekend to remember, and there was a guy there um, who was one of the speakers, and he was talking about, uh, he was talking about you know, how he chose his family. Now, he was a former business professor, and I was like, I need to talk to him. Because I just went to this conference, and at this conference, this PhD conference, they were talking about, okay, this is what you need to do. You're going to be working 60 to 80 hours a week to get your PhD. And I was like, I just left that. <laughs> They're saying, this is what you need to do. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do X, Y, Z. And some of them were talking about it, and they got divorces in the process. And I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. So I went up to him and asked him. I said, excuse me. I mean, excuse me, sir. I mean, can you talk to me for a second? And he and his wife talked to me. And I said, you know, can you tell me? Um, I just came from this conference. They're saying, I'm going to have to do all this to be one of the best students and to get the most money and all this kind of stuff. I was like, can you tell me what I can do? Because I, I know I feel it's a part of my path to get my PhD, but I don't want to get a divorce. <laughs> and he, he said something. He asked me a question that just totally blew my mind. He said, what do you call a pre-med student that graduates at the bottom of their class? And like a light bulb that went off, I was like, oh, you got me. <laughs> a doctor. He said, yeah. And I was like, wow. And at that moment, I realized that I never wanted to be the best. I didn't want to be the best student that was going to sacrifice my family in order to get my PhD. I didn't want to be the best speaker. I had one of my speaker friends who travels like 200 some days a year. He and his family have decided not to have children because of that. But I, I didn't want to live his life. That's, that's what he chose and that's okay. But for me, that wasn't going to work. But best is an external comparison. You're gauging yourself by other people. Best is competitive, where excellence is an internal gauge. When you're trying to be the best, you're looking outside of yourself to see what's everybody else doing, and you just start keep going. You just keep going. What, you, what are you doing? It's almost, I, mean, I mean, for real, have you gone, when you've been at the gym, you've been on the treadmill before? 
and you get on the treadmill and you're just, you know, doing your own little speed, 3.0. And then somebody comes up next to you and is like, with a towel, 6.0. And you're looking like, 6.0. And you start going with them. And they're still going, and after one minute, you, you're done like, man, this is tiring. But the 6.0 was just their warm-up. That's the difference. I'm, I'm not going to be able to compete with them. I don't know what it took for them to get there. I don't know the years it took for them to get there. But that's the difference between best versus excellence. So excellence is, is when you give your all based upon what you choose to give it. If you say, I'm giving 50% to this, I'm going to give my all 50%. You give it your all. But you don't compare yourself to others. And that's one awesome tool. So I'm going to share with you. So we transition to the part of the fight. Now, everybody's seen a fight before? You've you all, you all seen a fight? Okay, fights are sometimes challenging. Now, everybody say the word fictional. Fictional, awesome. Now, Sylvia, would you come up? Can everybody give Sylvia a round of applause? I want you to come up on stage, Sylvia. Go ahead. No. (laughs) Now, say fictional again. Okay, you go to that side, please. Now, in the fictional story, for my wife beats me up, I'm joking. Well, Sylvia and I have been dating now for two years. We met at school, and we were like, hey, I was like, I'm Justin, how are you doing? That's good, nice to meet you. Let's go to the library and study. <laughs> it never happens, all right? <laughs> and so we go, we meet, and we're looking at the moon and the stars and the sky, and it's so nice, so beautiful. And then one day, Sylvia catches a cold. And like any good boyfriend, I bring her some chicken noodle soup and two roses for both of her eyes. I don't know why I did that either. I know. But can you believe that Sylvia still wanted to break up with me? Can you believe that? If I really loved Sylvia, would I be like, all right, see you later, deuces? No. If I really loved Sylvia, I mean, really loved her, this is what I would do. Tell me how I'm Yeah. 
Now, I would do that in the middle of campus while everybody's watching. I wouldn't care if I messed up my shoes, my jacket, or my hair. (laughs) Because I'd be willing to fight for what had value to me. Even if everybody looked at me crazy. I mean, could you imagine yourself coming into this presentation and I'm on stage while you're walking in with no music? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm not going to find my glasses today. (laughs) But quick side note, don't you love songs like that? Songs that make absolutely no sense. Tell me how you can't breathe with no air. Tell me how I'm supposed to... Makes no sense. But what does make sense is with that same intensity, with that same passion, that same, I don't care if you laugh at me. I don't care if you look at me funny. I'm going to fight for what has value to me. That same passion, will you choose to do that for the things that you say mean the most to you? Will we choose to do that for the things that we say, this is what I want in life? Because I guarantee you, society will try to tell you every single day, money, power, possessions, fame, money, power, possessions, fame, money, power, possessions, fame. And if you like, tell me how I'm supposed to breathe with no air. Without that intensity, you'll be stuck being blind like everyone else. Now, this is my friend Danielle Rice. And uh, Danielle and I met several years ago. And a really great young lady. uh, Awesome. Married to one of my best friends. And, you know, it was amazing because one day we went rock climbing and we're climbing rocks and having a great time climbing these rocks. May 25th, 2010, it was my birthday. I went with our friends. And uh, two weeks later, I get a call uh, from my best friend like I'd never heard from him before. And he calls and says, tells me, he says, crying. He says that, Justin, Danielle's been diagnosed with cancer. Now, how many people have ever been impacted by cancer before? Friend, family member, coworker? Okay, yourself. So you all understand the seriousness of it. But this just wasn't any type of cancer. This was cardiac angiosarcoma. Only about 20 or so cases in the U.S. a year. Prognosis, four months to live. It's two weeks ago, May 25th, 2010, we were rock climbing. So Jordan describes a scene where he's out in the hallway. And he's talking. 
the doctor tells them, and it's challenging to hear. And they go back into the the room. The doctor lets her know she has cancer. And my best friend, he consoles her the best way he can. You know, she choked up a little bit. But do you know what her first response was? Her first response was, well, I guess it's a win-win situation. Because either I'll be healed or I'll be in heaven. And what amazed me from that response, y'all, was that on her quote-unquote deathbed, she saw a win-win situation. And I had to ask myself, I said, Justin, what's your excuse for not seeing win-win in life? If she can see this on her deathbed, why can't you see win-win? And I walked away from that experiences and thinking about other things. And this mantra lives true in my life so much. And it says one simple thing, that there are people who would love to have my bad days. And I would say the exact same thing for every single one of you. Is that there are people who would love to have your bad days. Oh, your stupid car caught a flat. There's people who are catching the bus that wish they had a stupid car to catch a flat. Man, my parents getting on my nerves. I've interviewed people on my radio show who have no idea who their family is. They wish they had some stupid parents to get on their nerves. Life is just hard. And it's real. There's some of you that are really like, you just, you just don't know what I've been through. You don't know my pain. And I will say to you that there are 4,100 children who will die today from a lack of this. Clean water. Do we really have it that bad? We can go out of here and drink clean water all we want. And so I'm not going to try to stand up here and say to you that I'm perfect, that I'm living this out completely. Because, yeah, sometimes I still complain. Sometimes it still wants me. I was, I was on a trip one day and they lost my luggage. And I'm walking back and forth through the terminal like that's going to do anything. I'm there talking to the lady and it kicked in. I was like, man, there's some people who don't even have a job right now. And I'm doing what I love to do. Matter of fact, I have luggage to lose. And what's amazing is I can replace it. Man, I don't really have it bad. So yeah, I was inconvenienced a little bit. But in the whole scheme of things, it was very light affliction. Very light. Just nothing. So I ask you, will you begin to identify that there are people who would love to have your bad days? So it leads me to ask is what will you do? What will be your action? Will you take time to change? Will you take time to reflectively think 
find out where you are. Because if not, you realize, how did I get here? Years later. What will you do? What will be your action? And so, as Aaron looked over the water, he said, excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Can you tell me where my glasses are? And the creature looked back up and said, Aaron, why did you listen to the dream that told you you needed to find your glasses for success? And at that moment, Aaron blinked and she could see. She realized that strange creature was her reflection in the water. She just needed time to think. To realize she didn't need glasses at all. So I ask you, who told you you needed glasses to be successful? Who told you you needed Money, power, possessions, and fame. Let me be clear. I'm not advocating not having those things. Let me be very clear. Whether you have it or whether you don't doesn't mean you're successful or not. The opposite side could be something just as dangerous. The real question is, are you sacrificing the core values in order to get it? Because if you're sacrificing what you say means most important to you, what's most important to you, that's not authentic success. You're just living like most people in society are living, by societal success. So, I encourage you to connect with me. You know, I want to hear your stories as you grow and develop, and and as I grow and develop. And let me tell you, I'm I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'm recovering. One day I realized I was never going to be perfect. But that didn't stop me from trying. So while I'm no longer a perfectionist, I am now a progressionist. Because I believe on continuing growing. And even if I don't have it now, authentic success is about being on the journey. It's the journey. It's not a destination. It's a journey. And I encourage and welcome you all to, to join the journey with me. So as so we get ready to, to uh, transition, I'd like everybody to stand up. And I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Who told you you needed glasses? Some of y'all like my eye doctor. <laughs> but you don't need something external. It's what's your filter? I don't mind sharing my core values with you. Number one, my faith as a Christian. Number two, my family. Number three, my career.
Those are my primary core values. That doesn't mean the other core values aren't important. But it does mean my actions should align with those top three. So with all that being said, once you've seen clearly with your own filter, there's only one thing left to do. It's one thing. That's to celebrate. So turn the music up a little bit. Everywhere I go, we have to do this. So I want you to follow after me and do it with all your might if you're ready. All right, you ready? All right, let's go. Now put your right hand in the air. Now put your right hand in the air. And to the left, and to the left, your other left, to the left, and to the left. And put your left hand in the air. And put your left hand in the air. And to the right, oh, to the right. And to the right, and to the right. Now both hands in the air. And both hands in the air. And scream! I want you to give your neighbor a high five and say, find your glasses. Give your other neighbor a high five and say, find your glasses. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Justin Jones Fosu. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now, before you leave, find your glasses, right? <laughs> Everybody sit down for a quick second right before you leave. I want to say a couple of quick thank yous. Um, I would like to first thank all those people who were interviewed for the book. If you could stand, except uh, Pastor Lawrence Richardson, I don't, you just wave your hand because he's, right, okay. <laughs> but everybody else stand who was interviewed for the book. Interviewed for the book? Awesome. Can you give them a round of applause for the people? This was 10% 10 per, 10 of the people. We had over 30. Nice mixture of people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different things as well. And how many people helped in part of the uh, reviewing of the mini editions of the book? Where, where are my reviewers, the mini editions? Oh, you can stand up, please. You can stand up. All the people who reviewed, you stand up. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And um, I want to just a really awesome, special thank you uh, to my wife. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stephanie Jones, folks, who some of you are looking for her, but many of you know um, she is a schedule queen and she left to go put Lydia to bed. And she left because she had to be there by 7.30 to put Lydia to bed. So she's gone. All right. <laughs> um, and just a really um, appreciation for each one of you um, for being here. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, the hard work of Kelly of Kell Events um, would not have made this successful. So Kelly, would you please stand? If you need an event planned, please talk to this young lady. She's done both of my book releases, and it just seems to keep getting better and better. So I appreciate that. And uh, the photography of Botography. Botography. And the video of, of, of precision video imaging. Um, they are here. PV imaging. And can we give a special thank you for the library, Enoch Pratt Free Library, for allowing us to do this here. Thank you, Enoch Pratt. So with all that being said, um, I hope you enjoy the book. Please share 
the uh, website with other people who you think really need to get this kind of information, because I'm on a, a transfer-lution um, to help, and going across this country, to help people start living by what they say means most to them, for their actions to align with their core values. Thank you so much. Yes. Justin Jones Fosu is, um, he will be outside selling and signing his book. If you want to purchase one book, the price is $15. You can purchase three books for the price of $40. And you can purchase his first book. Uh, it's a book of poetry titled Inspirations for Life, as well as the Finding Your Glasses book for a price of $25. Please support him. Thank you. Yes. Yeah.